Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com or you're subscribed on the iTunes feed and leaving that review, which helps me very much and never missing a single episode. I thank all of you. I'm kind of getting back to basics here on the show this week, so uh, next few episodes are going to be really easy and really fun for me. And not that the other shows aren't fun, but uh, some of those real epic episodes are kind of a bitch to edit, so I wanted to just kind of get back to basics and play some rock and roll for you with, of course, a theme as always. So this week on the show, and this is going to kind of tie into the next episode that I'll be doing, I'll tell you at the end of the show today. But today, it seems obvious, but hey, let's do the one and dones, the bands that put out one record under said name and never did another one again. And I'm talking about proper studio records. Some of these bands have all these you know, live albums and alternate cash-in collections that all these little off-labels got a hold of and just really bastardize some of these names. But this is going to be one proper studio album, and they're done. Whether it's by death or ego or whatever, we're doing it all here. And I think I got a really strong list of ten. I had eight really good ones when I first started to put the list together. And I actually put the word out to some of my friends and listeners of the show I had the original list. It went from really good to great. So I want to thank everybody that put in some advice there and your two cents. And it's, you know, even for a massive super geek like me, it does help. So I'm not too proud to beg sometimes. First song, this is going to tie into the last episode, actually, that uh, when Michael Butler came on my show, which I'm still completely jazzed that he did. It was an honor to have the Howard Stern of rock and roll podcasting to come on my show. And uh, it was a lot of fun, our conversation. If you heard it, you know we had a ton of fun. I hope you had fun listening to it. There were two songs that I did not play on his episode because he picked 22 records. And, you know, as much as I love the guy, I can't break my rule. I got to keep my integrity. 20 songs, great. That's a two-parter. 22 songs, not so much. And one of the songs that I cut off the list, I'm going to play to kick off the show here because it ties in to the one and done's first song here is by a band that barely needs an introduction, but it's fun talking about them here in the C&J Radio family, the Sex Pistols. And Michael Butler wanted to hear bodies on his episode, so let's just kick off the show. Turn this one up as loud as you can. This is Bodies.
what a nice, cheerful way to kick off the show with a song about a baby in the trash can. That was Bodies by the Sex Pistols, uh, easily the most popular one-and-done album of all time. Not only is it one of the most popular and influential albums of all time, the fact that it's the only studio album by this band, there are 13 official offshoot albums after that that I found on their official page and like live albums alternate versions of these songs but only one proper studio album and that's never mind the bullocks here's the sex pistols interesting fact about bodies especially it is the only only song that they recorded that Sid Vicious actually plays bass on bodies is it the whole album Steve Jones did all the bass except on anarchy in the UK which the bass was done by original bassist Glenn Matlock so there's your fun fact. Only Sid's song, period, is Bodies. Done. All right, we're going to stay in the punk rock wheelhouse just for a little bit longer here. There'll be some later on the show, too, but before I get into the heart of the list here, I'm going to play another massive one-and-done, especially if you were a West Coast punk rocker back in the day. I know one of my great listeners out there, Steve Arizina, actually was there at the time and talks about some of these shows makes me extremely jealous but uh there was a band there uh called the germs and you know it's one of those bands i i know they definitely got more of a following especially outside of california once they were done because of some of the obvious things the darby crash the lead singer actually pretty much meant to kill himself i mean he had told a lot of his friends just as much uh he kills himself because he wants to be famous problem was he goes and ODs or slash kills himself on December 8th and this was 1980 so if you know your history somebody named John Lennon was shot and killed hours later and uh, that was pretty much uh, all the publicity that Darby wasn't going to get at that point it all went to John Lennon rightfully so I'm not going to front I love Darby but come on it's John Lennon <laughs> I don't think anybody is going to argue that a Beatle <laughs> There's not many more popular people. I'm talking going into like politicians of the world and czars and people like that. You're a beetle, damn it. Okay, so anyway, all that being said, I, I love the GI record by the germs. Uh, you definitely, if you're going to get one thing, this is your one and done for the germs. Get MIA, because that's going to give you the entire GI record, plus any alternative versions of these songs. And actually, some of the alternate versions are better, I think. Uh, I really wanted to play the original version of this song, but I'm going to play the GI version. And I, I kind of struggle sometimes, especially when I'm playing like, you know, some old school first wave punk rock. Like, is this too obvious or whatever? But I bet there's some people out there that might not have heard this, and they should. So that's why I do this on the show. So I've talked longer than the song actually is, so fuck it. Here's the germs with Lexicon Devil. <laughs> If you have it up really loud, especially on the headphones, you can hear Darby Crash actually saying, that's it. Like, he's he's done recording for the day or something. And, like, he walked away before the band even finished playing or something. I, I love that. 
But that was the germs with Lexicon Devil. If you get that MIA complete anthology with every recorded song they ever did, you can actually hear a different version of Lexicon Devil that's played at half the time of that, which I actually do prefer, honestly. But they're both great. And uh, he was actually a pretty damn good lyricist, if you can make out what he's saying half the time. So there you go, germs. And I actually don't hate the What We Do Is Secret scripted movie about the germs as much as a lot of people do. I actually think it's kind of cool. But uh, be the judge for yourself. It is on Netflix. Moving on here, a band that uh, I, I really got into this record about uh, almost 10 years ago, and I knew nothing about it still. I knew literally one thing about this record, and that was that this was Tommy Stinson's post-replacements band. And I'm talking about Bash and Pop. Fun fact about Bash and Pop, the way the band got their name was that they held a radio contest in New York City and some fan got to name the band because Tommy had nothing, apparently. He went in and actually recorded this album by himself, playing most of the instruments, but apparently, and I just found this out literally today, just doing a few notes for the show, I'm so glad I love this record, but to find out that Ben Montench and Mike Campbell of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers actually had a hand in playing some of the stuff on here, way cool. I mean, that album, I love the album anyway, but now the album gets like an extra half star or star for that. They did have a, a sort of a lineup in the band. It was Tommy Stinson actually switching from bass to rhythm guitar and lead vocals. The Foley Brothers, which I believe Steve Foley came from the replacements, if I'm not mistaken. And a guy named Steve Bransick on lead guitar. That was the touring lineup. Uh, but check this out. I think you're going to love this. If you're a fan of power pop and, you know, punk rock, but not like punk rock, not like aggro, you're going to like this because it's a nice mix, this record. So check this out. This is Bash and Pop with Never Aim to Please.
right, there you go. That was the great Bash and Pop, sadly a one and done. And that was Never Aim to Please off of the album Friday Night is Killing Me. Go get that record. It's great. There's really only one other thing they ever did besides that, and they had a one-off on the Clerk soundtrack. Great song called Making Me Sick. So check that out as well. That's a great soundtrack. And like I said, Friday Night is Killing Me. If if you're a fan of that replacement style, you obviously know you love this Bash and Pop album now because it's like, yeah, what what band did that guy come from? Listen to that just now. It's pretty obvious. So, great record. Check it out. All right, this next one and done is from a band. It's a forced one and done, much like the Germs, due to a death and also from the vocalist's death. I'm going to talk about a band called Mother Love Bone. This is a band that uh, they're from Seattle, but the influence reached massively over to Los Angeles. Back at a time where Los Angeles and the Sunset Strip were known through the 80s as one thing, as the the pop, glam, hard rock scene, Uh, all of a sudden bands were starting to pop up that made everybody kind of rethink everything. Jane's Addiction is one of those bands, and there were quite a few, actually, that didn't really make it all that well. But Mother Love Bone, their influence definitely reached over to the Los Angeles scene because all the bands that I was listening to at the time I now realize how much they were actually trying to take the Mother Love Bone style and put it on their record, like kind of hybrid it with what they were already doing to try to, you know, basically try to maintain some relevance. And that happened quite a bit. This was a very influential band. As as much as they just burned out and faded away in an instant, they left a massive influence on that scene. So Mother Love Bone, very important, and they only put out one proper studio album out, Apple, and they had an EP also. So basically, after Andy Wood died, about two years later, about a year later, they put out this album just called Mother Love Bone, which is a collection of all of those studio recordings, much like Germ's M.I.A. So it's on one disc, and Apple was their only proper studio album, so they get to be on this list. And like I said, if you're a fan of both The Sunset Strip Los Angeles scene from the mid and late 80s, and you also liked that early era of the quote-unquote grunge stuff that Seattle was putting out, you're going to love this record, because you get a little bit of that gypsy rock, and a little bit of that grunge, and some pretty damn catchy songs, some good musicianship. Of course, a couple of the guys went on to start a little band called Pearl Jam, uh, another offshoot of them called Brad, there's some people from it on there. Logan's sitting here with me, being very nice and listening to me yak here on the show. You find any more bands that they're responsible for? But I mean, yeah, Temple of the Dog is obvious, but... Love Battery? Love Battery. Love... Oh, oh, I know Skin Yard. Yeah, they were on the Hard to Believe tribute. And you're going to want to get the one called Mother Love Bone, which is a collection of all that stuff. So here you go, off that release and the original Apple record, this is Shangri-La.
right, that was Mother Love Bone with This Is Shangri-La. That's actually the first song to kick off both the debut album and the compilation album that you can get. Like I said, you could, if you could find Apple, that's, that's a pretty good get. But you get all the songs if you get the one just self-titled, Mother Love Bone record. Recommended listening. If you're a fan of that stuff, you want to go out a little bit there. Of course, the Temple of the Dog record that was written exclusively as a tribute to Andrew Wood. Uh, if you haven't heard that record, that's that's actually a pretty cool record. It still holds up, actually. And weirdly enough, one of the songs that was written for the album Say Hello to Heaven was originally going to be recorded by Ozzy Osbourne uh, at one point, but I think it definitely works better as a... I mean, Ozzy probably definitely could have pulled it off. It would definitely have been one of his Mama, I'm Coming Home kind of things, but it's really good on the Temple of the Dog record. And go check out Faster Pussycat's Whipped album, because... They were definitely listening to nothing but Mother Love Bone and probably Infectious Grooves at the time. Uh, it's a very interesting departure record for them. But yeah, you can definitely be like, wow, they were really big fans of Mother Love Bone at the time. But moving on here, we got plenty more show to come. But I'm going to go ahead and announce something real quick before we get to the next song. I'm starting a big, massive, epic contest for the show. I definitely have an ulterior motive for doing it. But I got to tell you, I think the prize is going to be worth it. Here's the deal. Friends of the show, I appreciate you. And you've been with me for a long time now. I think it's time. We're getting close to 100 episodes now. I think it's time we, we blow this thing up a little bit. Let's expand Rock Strikes 10 and the CNJ Radio Empire. And let's get it to as many people as we possibly can. This isn't just... It's a word-of-mouth campaign with a contest tied into it. It's the b- easiest way I can put it. Now, how the rules of the contest works. If you need to take your pen out, go ahead and do it now, but here's how it goes. Basically, you're going to get as many people listening and into the show as humanly possible, and when they, you know, if they go on the Facebook, right on the wall, or they can tweet me, on all the proper links there on cnjradio.com, or even send me a private email, joey at cnjradio.com. However they want to do it, the person you get into the show, you have to let them know to check in and say, so-and-so sent me. So if Logan gets somebody to listen to the show, I want to hear back from somebody brand new that's a new like and whatever, or even if it's a it's an old like, you can I want someone to get credit for this and say, so-and-so sent me. The more... I hear that name, I add a point to each of your names, and then, of course, a new person can start their own new web and do it that way. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pyramid thing, basically. So the new person, they get other new people listening, they start accumulating points. I hope that's not too confusing, but that's how it works. That, and so on and so on, and that's how it works. So it starts now, and it's going to go on basically till the end of the year, the year-end shows. And uh, whoever gets the most people listening to the show, whether they're new or old, I just if they're willing to give you the credit, then you're going to win the prize. The, and the only people that aren't eligible are the is the C and J's, you know, like uh, myself, Chris, Nola, Randy Brown. Those are pre- pretty much the only people that are ineligible at this time because they're the only people on staff. And uh, and also Nola's not eligible because she lives with me and she gets to it, you know. Most of the stuff in the prize is stuff I already have. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I've already added a bunch of really cool things to the prize pack. Brand new CDs. There's going to be some second-hand CDs in there, but I guarantee you they're not going to be crap. They're going to be great quality stuff. Uh, we're going to have rock and roll books, you know, books about music that you're going to want to read. They're in, they're in brand new shape. This is going to be a quality box. I will kind of tease some of the items as we go on. So get it going. Let's get it started. That's the contest. Bring me some new listeners. Daddy needs a new pair of microphones. That kind of stuff. All right. Next song here. One of my personal favorite one-and-dones. This is from a a Los Angeles band. We were talking about the Los Angeles influence. And this is a band. It's just one of those bands. I'm actually surprised they ever got signed. Now, that sounds bad, but I'm a fan of this band. Even at the dawn of the 90s, where it was all about alternative rock, as far as if you're going to be a rock and roll band. If you're a new rock and roll band, you got to do something different. That was pretty much the order of the day. This band comes out, and they have all the makings of a hard rock slash heavy metal band, especially as far as the players themselves go. But the singer, 
Singer was a little different. The singer was off-putting to people. He was more of a performance artist than a lead singer in a rock and roll band. And it's still never been done since then. I'm talking about a band called Life, Sex, and Death. Now, uh, I know Alex Kane, who is still putting out great music, the lead guitarist in this band. I know he wrote a lot of, uh, most of the stuff on this record, along with this guy Stanley, the said lead singer, who they still maintain to this day was a homeless man who they know nothing about. So Stanley is still a mystery to pretty much everybody unless you were in that inner circle. So I know, I know nothing about Stanley other than what they would tell you about him. He's homeless. He smells. Uh, he's really good on stage, though. And he's a crazy singer. He's a crazy performer. I've watched YouTube clips recently, and I'm like, wow. Just wow. But if you've never heard this album, Life, Sex, and Death, it's great. Uh, my, my guest on my last episode, Michael Butler, he did a great interview with Alex Kane about this whole album. You should go listen to that on rockandrollgeek.com. Check it out. You get to hear snippets of every song and him talk about the making of it and what possibly could be about Stanley. And he wouldn't give it up. If he knows anything, he's not giving him up. He's still maintaining it to this day. And I think that's kind of cool, actually. But if you love metal and you love slightly offbeat alternative, you'll love this album, The Silent Majority by Life, Sex, and Death. Here's the first song I ever heard off of it, so this is the first one I'm playing for you. This is Tank.
which also begs the question, why aren't more metal bands incorporating a 12-string bass to fatten up that great sound that they have? What a great sound on this record. Get the silent majority by Life, Sex, and Death, and it's crazy. And I love it. All it takes is one person to make a band different, and that's pretty much my Exhibit A. I mean, Stanley. So we're, if you're listening, Stanley, uh, send me an email, if you have email, joey at cnjradio.com. Alex Kane is a guy, if you write to him, he will actually write you back, and he's a super nice guy. He'll talk about anything. I remember even posting a concert review back in the MySpace days one time, talking about the Van Halen show I went to with Logan and Chris, and he just unsolicited left a comment uh, saying, great show review, and I hate it when people sit down too. Fuck those people, you know. So good on you, Alex Kane. So I'm going to try this in email. Maybe I'll have him on the show. I'd love to hear his Desert Island list. But uh, And check out Anti-Product, Alex Kane's band. Really cool band, actually. Write some really catchy songs. But yeah, Silent Majority, Life, Sex, and Death. I've actually been to the Kane's Ballroom, where most of that album was recorded live. And the first song on the record uh, is actually straight up live with a crowd. So, uh, like I said, nothing boring about this album. It's a lot of fun. All right, next here on the show is actually a request. I was going to play something off of this album, but uh, since uh, when I put the word out there to my friends, uh, what are your favorite one-and-dones? The great Steve Arizina, a friend of mine, uh, lives not too far from me, and it's like, got to play Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. I'm like, all right, what do you want to hear? And he's like, I want to hear Chinese Rocks. So simple as that. This is a song that you will know most famously as a Ramon song. When in truth, the song was co-written by Dee Dee Ramone, their chief lyricist, and Richard Hell, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, who, th- there's a lot of tie-in there. I mean, shit, Marky played with Richard Hell before he joined the Ramones. And you got Dee Dee writing with Richard. What a, what a sit-down that must have been. And then you got Johnny Thunders coming in here and basically doing a cover of it on their one-and-done album called L.A.M.F., which is a watershed album for not only punk rock, but garage rock, and I think hard rock in general. Uh, it's an album you got to have, you got to own it, and this is a great way to dip your toe in here. So a song you may know from a version you may have never heard, this is Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers with Chinese Rocks.
right, there you go. That was a great Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. We referenced Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers earlier with Bash and Pop, but there you go. More Heartbreakers, more Heartbreak. And when you're talking about selling your shit for drugs, that's that's heartbreaking in itself. But there you go. That was the great Chinese Rocks. And uh, even Richard Hell said that Dee Dee wrote 75% of that easy. Brought to the Heartbreakers because Johnny didn't want to record it because it was too drug-related. But then... The Ramones wound up recording it like three years later for the End of the Century album, which is a great album. So there you go. There's a lot of there's there's so much history to that song. It's got its own Wikipedia page. And of course you can hear that original version on tons of stuff. I recommend the LAMF record. It's also on a great Rhino box set called No Thanks. If you have nothing punk rock, that's a great one oh one. You're gonna pay a little bit for it because it's out of print, but I highly recommend. So, moving on, staying with the punk rock. A uh this is almost kind of a newer punk rock band, which is ridiculous to say, but compared to the Germs and the Heartbreakers it is a one and done band that has a great family tree. And I'm talking about Operation Ivy, a band that uh has definitely gone on with most of its members to form a band called Rancid. I'm a big Rancid fan, and I kind of went backwards and and listened to Operation Ivy later. A lot of people did, and for those of you who say you didn't, unless you came from California, you're probably lying your ass off, because you probably saw the t-shirt first. I know I did. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But uh, Operation Ivy, it's it's like uh it's like the Minor Threat thing, and uh, the Minor Threat songs are so short. That's the pretty much the only reason they're not on this proper episode. Um, so yeah, you're, let's just spoiler. You're gonna hear Minor Threat on the outro because their songs are like 30 seconds average. So yeah, uh, same kind of thing. You get the Operation Ivy reissue. That's all. That's everything. That's that's all of it. It's it's like a couple EPs, a proper studio, done. So here you go. Here's the great Operation Ivy uh, with a theme I really like called Unity. There's a war coming down between my brothers and I. I don't want no war. Further proof that I'm not from California. First time I ever heard that song, it was actually being covered by Real Big Fish. So I'm so cool, let me tell you. Uh, but <laughs> that was Operation Ivy with Unity. That originally came off the one and done studio album called Energy. And like I said, you get the one just called Operation Ivy. You can find it now reissued in a digipack. That's everything, everything. That's all you need. So I like if bands are just going to fizzle out like that. They're going to take care of you and get you everything in one shot. That's proof that they're not terribly greedy, so I love it. That's pretty punk rock. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Are we done with the punk rock for the day? Actually, we are. 
so so sorry if you're you're a big fan. We're gonna get to some uh, more hard rock uh, related stuff and some uh, modern stuff with a vintage twist. But we're gonna um, kind of lean into that with a band from California that I was a big fan of when they came out. I was like, finally, we have a kind of a. It sounds hacky to compare any all-girl group with other all-girl groups to me, because if you really listen to the music, you hear other bands that are obviously not all-girl bands. Like, you, you listen to the Donnas without their vocals, you can hear tons of ACDC influence, not just the Runaways, even though they love the Runaways. It's just one of those things, you know? It's like, I think it's hacky. You're like, hey, this all-girl band, they sound like the Runaways, or they sound like the Go-Go's, you know? It's, it's hacky, and it's, you know, it's bullshit. But, uh, you know, Betty Blowtorch, I love the Betty Blowtorch record, and sadly it's a one-and-done only because of the Lady Bianca, uh, one of the main leaders of the band. She spent all this time trying to just... She was one of those people starving on the Sunset Strip, just wanted to make it in a rock and roll band. She even had a band before this called Butt Trumpet, and they had a little bit of a buzz, but they never really went anywhere. Uh, she took some of these songs and put them into the Betty Blowtorch band, and they were like just... Hot Rod, Mamas, motor- motorcycles, tattoos all over the place, leather. I mean, they were biker mamas with guitars, and they were super fun. So not quite L7, because L7 was definitely more of a... They had good attitude, but they were more leftist, you know, like type stuff. Uh, and Betty Blowtorch, they were just like, fuck it. You know, drugs and booze and rock and roll and, and getting laid. And they put it all out there and they were unapologetic and they were super fun. I, sadly, I never got to see them. I think they actually rolled through here once and I so should have gone because I think the one tour they did of America, they did with like Nashville Pussy and some other bands. So that would have been a fun night out, let me tell you. Uh, and sadly, uh, there there is a documentary out about Bianca, by the way, but... Uh, you know, she was trying to stay clean on the road, and apparently, according to all of her bandmates and tour mates, she was doing a really good job of it. Uh, she was really tired one night, and she had a friend driver, and I don't think the friend was in the best frame of mind. She fell asleep in the back of the car. That person crashed the car and killed her. So it's just one of those sad things that she really didn't have a whole lot to do with. So it's pretty tragic. Just as she was starting to, you know, get a little bit going, it's all over. Man, this is a, a really up show today, but uh, let's hope, I think this will uh, get you going on the positive tip. This is a really fun song. This is all you really need to know about Betty Blowtorch. This is a song called No Integrity. Check it out.
That was Betty Blowtorch with No Integrity. That's one of the most basic songs on the album, Are You Man Enough? Which is a really fun record. And I referenced Faster Pussycat earlier. They were big fans and friends of Betty Blowtorch on a recent Faster Pussycat album. They covered their song Shut Up and Fuck. And uh, like I said, it's just a fun record. Dresses is a great song. I'm Ugly and I Don't Know Why is really funny. And features a really tongue-in-cheek cameo by Vanilla Ice on a song called Size Queen. So yeah, as fun as it sounds. But moving on here, uh, the last two I'm going to play on here are actually my two favorite one and dones of all time. If I had to pick a top two, it's these albums. I love them. I've been loving them since they came out and I still listen to them and nobody cares. I'm in that, that boat. I'm in the boat in the middle of the ocean with these two albums going, what? What's wrong? You know, like, obviously these records didn't sell and these bands broke up and they're moving on to other things or some of them are in office cubicles right now. I don't know. I know a couple of people from these bands are doing something still rock-related. But let's start off here with a band that came out in 1996 at the peak of my 70s retro fandom, a band called Imperial Drag, a band that was basically remnants of Jellyfish uh, even had the same lead singer and Eric Dover, Roger Manning on Moog Synthesizer. And this is a band that basically they took what they were doing with Jellyfish, which was a very, uh, obviously Beatles influence, a lot of Badfinger influence, but basically taking that and rolling it into like a T-Rex catalog. I mean, and I thought this was a perfect formula and I think it worked so well. It's one of those great records that really never stops. Like there's not a lot of pause on the records, very 70s. And... The lyrical theme is very retro. It's like it's like old Playboy magazine, like come to life, like on a record. There's a song called Playboy After Dark, and that's really what makes me think of that. And it's like they, it, it it's by guys that wish they were living in that peak of time, you know, of free love and and music. And it sounds like commentaries on these parties that they're going to, you know. So I, I just love this record, and it's so cool. If you're a 70s guy uh, and you've never heard the Imperial Drag record, I highly recommend you get it. You can probably, and this is so sad for me to say this, you can probably go into any secondhand shop in your city, your half-price books of the world, your even your mom-and-pop shops. Look in the clearance bin. Look for a yellow spine. You're probably going to find Imperial Drag for a dollar. be the best damn dollar you ever spend. I had the bumper sticker on my truck all throughout high school. Yeah, I was popular. All right, so here you go. Here's a song. I'm just going to, you know, and it's one of those things, I think this is an obvious song, but only because this was the single they put out for the album, which went nowhere. They played it a little bit on my local station, but the album did nothing. So here's the song that got me to buy the album, and it's very derivative of T-Rex, I'm not going to lie, but the whole album is just all over the place. It's very schizo there's like weird track white album stuff on there. So just like I said, get the record, check it out. This is Imperial Drag with Boy or a Girl. Oh, 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 
During the song, myself and Logan were waxing on the lack of success that Imperial Drag had, despite being on Sony's alternative off-print label called Work Records, who managed to break, you know, quasi-lame bands in the 90s, such as Jamiroquai and uh, Fiona Apple, and if there were some bands on there I liked. What did you say? They had Sponge and, uh, you know, a few other bands. So... But, yeah, not enough payola to go around, I guess, and Imperial Drag paid the price. Maybe they didn't get along with them. I don't know. There's probably some other factors involving there. Uh, Like I said, Eric Dover, he went on to uh, work with Alice Cooper on the last two great Alice Cooper albums, Eyes of Alice Cooper and Dirty Diamonds, and uh, he did those albums. He wrote a lot of that with Ryan Roxy and Chuck Garrick and people like that. And, uh, you know... Uh, I know Roger Manning, he got the, the hip gig. He wound up playing keyboards for Beck and toured with him during his massive Odelay record. And so any performances you see of him, like during SNL and Video Music Awards at the time, Roger Manning's on stage there with him. So, you know, they've done a right. And uh, I know Eric Dover has a current band out called Sexus. And I am, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get him on the show, actually, because Eric Dover, I'm going to go on record, he's in my top ten rock vocalists of all time. I think he's got a great, appealing voice, so there we go. Check out Imperial Drag. Like I said, uh, check your uh, check your clearance bins. I, 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 I cringe when I say that, but that's where you're going to find it physically at this point. So there you go. Look for a bright yellow spine with the Work Records logo on the right side of it. So, yeah, the Work Group. Thank you, Logan. All right, another band, I remember, and speaking of Logan, I remember Ad Nauseam just raving about this band, like in the dying days of our record store. Like, I said, I would I would be in this band if they never let me write a note. I was loving this record so much. Uh, just to talk about a hybrid of styles. This band, there are songs you can play on this next band's record to where you go, this sounds like, uh, like vintage Thin Lizzy, and then... There's like two or three other songs on the album where it sounds like 70s era Judas Priest. I'm not even kidding. Uh, Love this band. They're called the Diamond Knights. And one record, I know next to nothing about them. Their bio is just, it's non-existent almost. Uh, So like not not even famous enough to get in a breakup announcement, you know, at any of the sites that I found. Uh, I remember back in the MySpace days, they had a page, and I was a friend with it. And then every now and then, I've been in, like, the mall, like, at a random store, and I was eating at Genghis Grill the other day, and there's a plug because I love the place so much, and I actually heard their song, The Girl's Attractive, while I was eating at Genghis Grill. The song, That song got licensed out to a lot of different commercial-type places because it's a really appealing dance rock song, kind of in the vein of like what Franz Ferdinand was putting out and stuff like that. So they had a bit of a disco dance influence, too, and a couple of those songs on the record sound like Saturday Night Fever, like Stone's Emotional Rescue-type stuff. So taking the T-Rex, Disco Stones, and early, early Judas Priest approach... I guess it's a wonder why they didn't get over with the regular America. But damn it, if you love that stuff, go get the Diamond Knights album called Popsicle. And here is the very first song on that album. It's called Destination Diamonds. This is one that sounds a little more like Thin Lizzy than those other three I mentioned. But go check out the rest of the album. I, if you don't like it, I will buy your copy back for you. How about that shit? So here's the Diamond Knights with Destination Diamonds.
band from the early 2000s era of New York City, and yet the Strokes made it. Thanks for the insight, Logan. Uh, that was the Diamond Knights, and like I said, that's just a small taste of what that album is like, and we just found out that the goddamn album, Popsicle, uh, you can get it for $35 on Amazon, because it's massively out of print. I figured, I figured that would be in the dollar bins too, but apparently it's worth a little something. So, I guess, uh, because, you know, it probably wasn't on a massive label or anything. What's the name of this label here? It was on uh, Kamado Records, which obviously they didn't have a major label affiliation because, uh, you know, even despite the fact that, like I said, I've heard the girls attractive in shops, and apparently, according to the Wikipedia, it got into a Jaguar commercial. But uh, that's about it. They, they It just didn't sell a whole lot of records, and I bought one. I don't think anybody else did, at least not around here. Uh, tragic concert tale that I could tell you about it. They were supposed to come to town, to Dallas, and play a show on my birthday. I buy the tickets to the show. Now, mind you, the bill is already amazing, but it was supposed to be Nebula, the Diamond Knights, and the Helicopters at the Lizard Lounge, and that was going to be the best birthday ever. Uh, we get to the venue, and you know, it's it's Lizard Lounge, you know, you get up there, and it's like a club, you just pay your cover, basically, even though it's a somewhat national show, it's like, here's the cover, and they have the little sheet of paper that just has the names of the bands playing on it, and I was like, I asked the door guy, I go, what's up, where's the, the Diamond Knights, they're supposed to be playing tonight, and he goes, yeah, they're, they, they, I think they canceled the tour, so I don't know, man, they're not going to be here regardless, and I'm like, oh, and my heart sank, um, you know, wasn't the worst day ever. I got to see the helicopters for my one and only time before they broke up. But I could have seen the Diamond Knights, and that still sticks in me. Because I don't even know if they broke up, but if you go to their Wikipedia page, it says, Formed in 2003, and then there's a question mark after that. So there's literally no information on these guys. Uh, but you should definitely check out Popsicle. If it's on iTunes or Amazon MP3, it's probably on one of those. So it's worth your $10 or $9 or whatever to, to, to at least download a copy of it because it's one of my favorite records still uh, of all time, but easily one of my favorite records post-2000s. It'd be in the top three for sure. All right, well, I guess that's going to do it here. Um, next episode, we're going to do a little tie into this episode. It's not so much a part two as it is just a continuation, really, but we've uh, taken care of the one-and-dones here, at least my ten favorite one-and-dones. Next episode, we're going to do two and through. Bands have put out two albums and broke up or died or whatever. We're trying to keep the death motif down a little bit because it seems like it was as much of a downer show as my regular death episodes. But uh, we'll see. Time will tell. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show here today. Go to cnjradio.com and check out the links and uh, Facebook, iTunes, subscribe, tell your friends. Like I said, get in on that contest. The prize box is building up massively. It'll be worth your time, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. So stay tuned. I'm going to read your comments and emails on the next episode, so stay tuned for the two and throughs. Until then, have fun. <laughs>